and welcome to another episode of Full Court Finance here at Zacks. I'm your host, Ben Rains. Today, we're taking a look at three somewhat under-the-radar stocks to consider buying now that are trading near their highs, even as the market falls amid all of these inflation and global economic slowdown fears. The three stocks we're looking at today are Chesapeake Energy, ICF International, and Esquire Financial. But before we get into everything, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure to check out our zax.com slash promo page for a look in some of our services, portfolios, and more. So before we jump into the three stocks, it's worth just going over kind of what the Fed did, maybe where rates will be by the end of the year, and then just take a little bit look at the broader market. So on Wednesday, stocks eventually tumbled after Jay Powell and the Fed raised their core interest rate by another 75 basis points. This was the third straight hike of that magnitude. Uh, the decision was unanimous, and it helped the benchmark Fed funds rate climb to a range between 3 and 3.25%, which was last seen in early 2008. And if we think back, uh, the rate was at near zero until the Fed first raised rates back in March. Uh, so now projections are expected the Fed to raise their rate by another uh, 125 basis points, so 1.25% by December, to a new target range uh, by about of about... Uh, 4.25% to 4.5%. And the Fed has two more meetings this year to accomplish those rate hikes, one in uh, early November and then one in mid-December. And then if we look ahead to projections for what's going to happen next, nearly all officials projected there would be somewhat higher rates needed next year as well. So 2023, with the Fed's policy rate possibly peaking at a range between 4.5% and 4.75%. And this is according to median projections of the Fed. Uh, back in June, that peak rate was at around 3.75%, so a full percentage point higher than that. Uh, so we're not going to go into too more much of what will happen next, but the, the census, we're going to get even higher rates by the end of the year and then even more high rates in 2023 with really no signs of uh, letting up on the interest rate hikes and then no signs of uh, anything lower anytime soon. Uh, so with that said, we know that Powell is 100% committed to bringing down inflation uh, and is willing to cause economic pain. He said this again and again. He said it again yesterday. And this is in the form of job losses and a higher unemployment rate and an economic slowdown because he views as rightfully so entrenched inflation as a much longer, more serious problem than the possibility of shorter term uh, higher unemployment rates. And obviously, the Fed's task is really not that easy since there's an array of factors fueling these higher costs, many of which are out of its control. So they really have to do all they can, which is higher interest rates uh, and some balance sheet stuff as well to try to get prices down. Let's also remember that the U.S. job market remains really hot. So despite some signs of weakness in areas like housing and tech, the Fed might have to do a lot more in order to really see the unemployment rate change much. Uh, with the Fed's hawkish stance, the two-year U.S. Treasury, which is more sensitive to the Fed funds rate, so it's that short-term rate, uh, climbed above 4% for the first time since 2007 yesterday. Uh, the yield was at 3.4% in the middle of June, back at that last, uh, those last June lows, uh, and was at just 0.8% early January and 0.2% back in September of 2021, so last year, with that Fed funds rate really low. And yeah, so this is just the bet that the Fed funds rate is going to get at least all the way up to 4%. And then meanwhile, uh, the 10-year U.S. Treasury with the flight to safety and the global economic uh, worries has 
the the 10 year up about 3.6%. That key interest rate hovered at around 1.6% at the start of the year and 1.3% last September. But it did dip slightly after the announcement on the back of the possibility that the economy will eventually slow quicker than uh, the Fed expects and possibly see the Fed lower their core interest rate sooner than later. So we'll see about that, but that's longer-term speculation looking far, much farther ahead. So with this in mind, the S&P 500 is now down another 20% uh, this year, so probably going to test those June lows. The market was down again uh, as we're recording this on Thursday, so we could be getting closer to those. Uh, Morgan Stanley recently said that their base case is for the S&P 500 to bottom near around uh, 3,400, meaning it would set new lows before it possibly starts to bounce back as we get some more clarity on the economic front. So despite all of the unknowns and the fears, U.S. equity markets will remain really resilient over the long haul. So especially if you're a longer-term investor, you shouldn't be that worried about getting into strong stocks for now if you're going to hold them for five, 10 years. I mean, that's that seems like a pretty solid bet. And also parking your money in bonds, even with yields at around 4%, still producing negative returns when you factor in inflation, which is above 8% at the moment. And then obviously leaving your money in cash comes with that rather significant hit with prices still at 40-year highs with 40-year high inflation, I should say. So therefore, investors who can stomach it might want to search for stocks that have been able to defy the market's downturn in 2022 and have also been able to up their earnings estimates in the face of higher inflation and economic slowdown fears, uh, even as the overall S&P 500 sees its earnings estimates decline rather rapidly. So the first of these three stocks we're going to look at today is Chesapeake Energy, which trades on the ticker CHK. So Chesapeake Energy is a natural gas and oil firm uh, that was at the forefront of the fracking boom, uh, but the firm, along with many others, took on far too much debt in order to keep drilling and fracking, uh, and the huge supply eventually helped prices fall and hurt these companies. In fact, uh, Chesapeake filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in June of 2020 as the energy market collapsed during the initial COVID shocks, and it shed about $8 billion in debt at the time and cut hundreds of jobs. So then after a very lengthy confirmation process, Chesapeake Energy uh, trading under CHK, it used to trade under a different ticker, exited Chapter 11, and that was in February 2021, and it started trading again on February 10th of 2021. So overall, the oil and energy sector experienced a really rough stretch during the 2010s, as we kind of alluded to, during that natural gas production boom in the U.S., and part of the energy sector's decline was, as I said, due to large increases in supply driven by fracking uh, and other technological improvements. And at the same time, the push towards renewable energy saw some of Wall Street kind of avoid investing in the space. But that so-called lost decade for companies like Chesapeake and others helped them reevaluate really every aspect of their business. And obviously, this Chapter 11 bankruptcy did a lot of reevaluating for Chesapeake. So they've now really slimmed down their operations, running far more efficiently, and they're focused more on cost-cutting than ever before and paying, uh, making sure the debt load remains as low as possible, and then also focusing on returning a lot of value to shareholders and not trying to chase these high prices at all times by uh, putting more capital expenditures out there. And also we should note that despite all of the Clean energy push, natural gas remains really important both in the U.S. and around the globe. We've seen that the energy crisis in Europe 
uh, is driven by a lot of Russian natural gas manipulation at the moment where they're cutting off supplies to Europe, and that's pretty scary stuff. Uh, and in the U.S., natural gas currently accounts for about 40% of all U.S. electricity generation, which is by far the largest ahead of nuclear, coal, renewables, which all account for around 20% uh, each each one of those. So natural gas still really important. And obviously natural gas this year, the prices have been really high. We're, we're off those low or off those highs of it spiked up to uh, above $10. Last time I looked, uh, natural gas continuous contracts were at $7.70. So off those off those highs, but still well above where we were over the last several years and over much of the last decade. So with this in mind, Chesapeake's revenue is projected to climb about 17% this year to about 6.8 billion, and then climb another 24% next year, all the way up to 8.4 billion. And we're also expected some nice bottom line positivity this year. And then on top of this year's nice growth, we're calling for another 45% adjusted earnings growth in 2023. Uh, the company's beat rather handily in three out of the last four quarters, including a 30% beat in the last quarter. And then, as I mentioned, uh, the company's been able to really improve its bottom line outlook. So over the last 60 days, its current year consensus estimate is up 26% from around $14.16 per share all the way up to nearly $18 per share. And then it's 2023 estimates up a whopping 37% since it last reported earnings. Uh, so just this insane bottom line positivity, which highlights the energy sector's earnings power and their ability to keep uh, trending in the right direction in terms of positive revisions where the rest of the market overall, especially the S&P 500 in general outside of energy, and a few other little pockets has seen those estimates trend heavily in the wrong direction. Uh, this helps the stock land is actually number one shrunk by at the moment, and its oil and gas exploration and production industry is in the top 17% uh, of 250 ZX industries at the moment. So in terms of its price performance, the stock's up about 140% since it went public again. This includes a roughly 60% climb so far in 2022 to outpace its highly ranked industry and then obviously crush the market's downturn. And despite this big climb, the current uh, average Zach's consensus price target still marks uh, about 20% upside to its levels at the moment. And these are fresh highs. So despite sitting near fresh highs, our average price target is calling for another 20, roughly 20% upside. And then despite trading at fresh highs, near fresh highs, it's trading at around 4.6 times forward 12-month earnings, which is well below its own highs over the last year. It traded as high as nine times forward earnings, and it's actually below its industry's average as well, which is trading at about 5.3 times. So some solid value here as well, which is also highlights how its earnings power continues to grow. Uh, the company, as we mentioned, also sort of in general with the industry Focus on returning a lot of capital back to shareholders, it doubled its buyback program to up to $2 billion, and it raised its dividend by 10%. Uh, its annual dividend sits at $2.20 per share for a yield of about 2.2% uh, at the moment, uh, which is solid and also gives plenty of room for it to keep going up with a payout ratio of just 16%. So plenty of room for that to keep uh, going higher. And then also just natural gas, the ability to obviously continue to boom at the moment and then longer term it's still going to play a really vital role uh throughout both the u.s and beyond the next stock up 
we're going to look at is ICF International, which trades on the ticker ICFI. ICF is a global consulting services company that works with both public and private sector enterprises. Uh, the industries it services are energy, transportation, aviation, retail, disaster management, education, healthcare, CPG, really a whole gamut of industries in both the public and private sectors. And then its services include uh, cybersecurity, research, analytics, various other things. The company grabs a fair amount of government contracts as well. So it was awarded uh, government contracts in an aggregate value of about $280 million during the second quarter. It works with the Department of Defense, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the Federal Communications Commission, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the, so the EPA, and beyond. It offers everything to the government from disaster management and mitigation to digital mo modernization, <laughs> excuse me, and various other consultancy offerings. Uh, so the global consulting and digital services providers revenue has grown rather steadily over the last decade as well. And if we look ahead, we're calling for about 15% revenue growth this year to about $1.8 and then another over 11% higher revenue next year to about $2 billion, so well above the rate of inflation. And then we're calling for about 17% adjusted earnings growth this year and then another 7% adjusted earnings growth next year. And we've seen some positive bottom line revisions activity as well for both 2022 and 2023, which helps a grab a Zach's rank number two buy at the moment and has a pretty solid history of earnings beats. The stock has also managed to climb 25% so far in 2022, which is really impressive. And this is part of a much longer decade long climb where it's over up over 400% in the last 10 years uh, to more than double the S&P 500. And it's trading right near fresh highs around $110 per share, which is really impressive considering that the market's down uh, around 20% so far this year. And despite trading near fresh highs, the current average Zax price target represents about 23% upside to our current levels. And it's trading at a discount compared to its industry. It's trading at 18.3 times forward 12-month earnings. And we should note that amid all of the worries uh, uh, about an economic slowdown. Often consulting firms are able to come in during these periods of economic uncertainty and companies feel good hiring companies to kind of see where they can do better. And obviously the government with a lot of government contracts, the government won't stop spending during an economic downturn. So this company could be certainly worth considering and that is ICF uh, International. Then the last stock up we're gonna look at is Esquire Financial which trades on the ticker ESQ. Esquire Financial is a registered financial holding company uh, and the parent company of Esquire Bank. Uh, the bank is headquartered in New York and one of its branches is also, uh, or it has an administrative office in Boca Raton down in Florida. A lot of money in both of those areas. The company is a full service commercial bank that's dedicated to some nice areas uh, or so, some niche areas for sure, which is the legal industry and small businesses uh, nationally as well as commercial and retail customers in the New York metropolitan area. The bank offers tailored products and solutions to, as I said, legal community. So it works with law firms for law firm banking, has merchant services, commercial real estate, and then business and personal banking as well. The company's benefiting greatly from higher interest rates, as are lots of banks and financial institutions, but certainly many of these smaller banks. 
So with this in mind, the company's revenue is projected to jump about 24% this year. It's a pretty small company, so we're calling for about $80 million in revenue this year, and then another impressive 17% in 2023. And then on the bottom line, we're calling for 52% growth, and then another nearly 20% growth next year, which would come on top of some positive or some strong years of growth on both the top and bottom lines in the last several years. And then, like all of these companies, it's seen its earnings revisions trend higher recently. So it's 2022 estimates up about 9% uh, in the last 60 days, with its FY 2023 estimate up about 4%. So trending in the right direction helps it land a Zach's rank number two buy. And its bank's Northeast industry is in the top 12% of over 250 Zach's industries. The stock also pays a dividend. It's yielding about uh, 1% at the moment, so nothing crazy there, but its payout ratio is only 13%, so it's a nice bonus. And it's also nice that the stock is up about 155% in the last five years to crush its broader bank's northeast market, which is down about 3% over the stretch. And then so far this year, uh, or over the last year, the stock is up, or over the last, excuse me, over the last two years, the stock's up 150%. And then so far this year, the stock's up 22% compared to the market's uh, 20% downturn, and its industry is roughly 15% decline. And despite this positivity with in terms of its price performance, the stock's trading at a discount to the broader finance market. It's trading at 10.7 times forward 12-month earnings, which is well below its own highs over the last two years of about 14 times and not too far above its median. So some solid value there as well. So certainly all three of these stocks look worth considering as they've been able to buck the market's downtrend in 2022 to trade near new highs right now. And then have also seen their earnings estimates trend heavily in the right direction. So that does it for another episode of Full Court Finance. Until next time, I'm your host, Ben Rains. And remember, if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot us an email over podcast at zax.com. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.